Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, our special guest is Greg Cochran, Executive Director of the League of Municipalities. Also, the V-Team asks, is Mike Hubbard ever going to jail? And there's some trouble brewing at Alabama's virtual schools. Bueller. 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 Um, he's sick. My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid is going with the girl who saw Ferris pass out at 31 Flavors last night. I guess it's pretty serious. Serious? It could be criminal. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. to the voice of Alabama politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Josh Moon, investigative reporter and columnist at APR, and Susan Britt, research guru extraordinaire and my constant companion. And you didn't forget me this week. I did not forget you. <laughs> hey, Josh. Hey, you forgot me last week, Josh. I did not. <laughs> she lies. Uh, Josh, uh, surprise, surprise, uh, Senate President Pro Tem Del Marsh back in 2019 uh, pushed a bill that would allow uh, people to uh, check off a portion of their income tax to go to We Build the Wall, Inc., a nonprofit. At the time, uh, APR warned the Senate and warned the House of Representatives that this was probably a scam. Now, a bunch of other people were talking about how great it is, what a wonderful organization it was. We were like, eh, scam. Uh, the Department of Justice sided with APR and they arrested Steve Bannon and the founder of uh, the, that Brian Colvidge and the, uh, Donald, President, Do Donald Trump's former chief advisor, Steve Bannon. What happened, Josh? Yeah, you know, uh, instead of building the wall, we bought a boat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, a nice boat to, to, to swing around the uh, uh, Trump boat parades uh, in Destin. And, uh, you know, look, it, uh, it was stupid from the start, uh, yeah. you know, and, and everybody said uh, there, everybody with, you know, with decent common sense said, uh, hey, I don't think you can you can do a GoFundMe and then pass that on to the government and they use it for building a wall. Uh, yeah. But you know, uh, this is this is kind of what we do uh, here. This has been a kind of an mo in this state for for a while, and uh, and Dale Marsh used it to, to pander to people uh, out of fear. Uh, you know, you should see you should go back and, and check his social media accounts during that time. Uh, that's when he was still considering a run for the U.S. Senate, I believe. And, uh, you know, it was um, it, it was just straight up fear mongering is all it was. I mean, he was just steadily talking about crimes perpetrated by uh, illegal immigrants. And, you know, and, and it was just a steady stream of that nonsense, all culminating in him trying to put this on our tax returns. And, it's, you know, this is what we did. Instead of an actual plan to help anybody, he tried to use this stupid stuff to fear monger. In what? fact, he gave to it personally. It was so he was so dedicated to this program that he personally donated to it. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not 
upset that Marsh lost his, some of his millions of dollars. I doubt he gave him very much. But again, Marsh has been at the center of so many controversies. I mean, he has tried to pass an ethics law that would allow lobbyists unfettered access to legislators. Uh, if, if you received a bribe of 5000 or less in Marsh's bill, you, you wouldn't even be uh, uh, prosecuted as a felon. It would be a misdemeanor. So, I, mean, I bribe you $4,999 and I'm good. I'm good with yeah. that. I'm good with that. And, you know, he, 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 he came to power with Mike Hubbard and uh, Bob Riley and that gang. And Hubbard, who is a convicted felon, is still walking around free, Josh, as you pointed out, some 50 months after the Republic, former Republican Speaker of the House was, you know, convicted. He's still free. Of felonies. How is that? Well, he's you know he's he's defying the odds. It's it's a complicated case, Bill. It's a complicated case. <laughs> uh, it remains complicated on every single level to everybody. And the, the complication seems to be that when they finish this, my cover's going to have to go to prison. Uh, that's the yeah. complication out of this whole thing. And uh, you know, honestly, I called the, you know the Alabama Supreme Court and the Court of Criminal Appeals, and uh, you know what they're at this point, what they're waiting on from the Supreme Court is a certificate of judgment, which where they upheld the you know the six uh, charges. Um, and you know, at, at that point, it goes down to Lee County. Lee County cannot do anything about revoking that bond until they get the certificate of judgment from the Supreme Court, and so they're. The Supreme Court is claiming they're waiting on the the rehearing, the rehearing where they're going to overturn themselves, uh, you know, <laughs> on the case that they just heard, uh, you know. And so it's it's nonsense. This thing should have been uh, this portion of this should have been wrapped up according to the Court of Criminal Appeals uh, in two to six weeks. And, you know, yeah. we're, we're working yeah. on five months now. Right, and it's simply Susan because they don't want to send mm -hmm. Mike Hubbard to jail. Right. They they had to do it because he was a he's a, he broke the law so egregiously that they had to find him guilty after doing everything they could to not to, but they just don't want to send him to jail. They don't want to send him to jail. He's got too many buddies on the Supreme Court. Uh, they just you know a lot of our Supreme Court is Republican, so they just don't want to send one of their own to jail. And if this had been anybody else, if this had been you know a, a convicted felon of a crime of murder or or you know if it had been a Democrat, it'd have been gone a long time ago. Yeah. Do you say a lot of the Supreme Court are Republicans? It's <laughs> all of them. Hey, I was trying to be nice here. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. That's all of them. I know, I know. And listen, this is not a Republican or Democratic issue. This is a matter of the law. It is. And, it, you know, conservatives have always claimed the mantle of law and order, yet when it comes to one of their own, mm -hmm. he has he's defied the court in every way possible, and they have let him do it. They have. I, I want to move on real quickly. Uh, you know, uh, Secretary of State John Merrill, we got about 50 seconds, takes a lot of heat for enforcing the election laws, <clears throat> but he has been strong to emphasize that our absentee ballots by mail are safe yes. and fraud free, that this is not going to be a problem, Susan. Yes, you know, just go ahead and get your absentee ballot now, get it filed early, you know, in, in case there's any kind of slowdown in the, the post office, but John Merrill has guaranteed if you're voting absentee, it will be counted correctly. One of the things, Josh, that's unique about Alabama is 
Voters do not have to just depend on the Postal Service. They can actually use any type of private carrier to send their ballot to the, the, the county in which they vote. So that's, I didn't know that's that. a good thing. Yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah, that's a, that's a, you know, And I'd encourage a lot of people to, to go ahead and get the absentee ballots because I'll, I'll tell you this, it's also a form of early voting. Uh, and, yeah. and it's basically no excuse at this point because you can use COVID uh, as, as an excuse for doing that. You're right. catching the disease mm -hmm. and they'll, they'll count your ballot. Okay, we're going to have to leave it right there. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back with more news. Engage Alabama, a free virtual business conference sponsored by the Business Council of Alabama. To be held on August 26th and 27th, Engage Alabama will include interactive sessions on hot-button issues, including helping Alabama businesses grow jobs and how to market your business in a post-COVID world. This two-day event is free of charge and available to businesses of all sizes. Sign up today and get ready to Engage Alabama. The Port of Mobile is a crucial commerce center for the entire state of Alabama. Activities with our shippers generated over $490 million in tax revenue for the state. We've generated 135,000 jobs by having a competitive seaport within cost-effective reach. Thanks to the state's leadership, Alabama's only seaport is being modernized to ensure that we are continually competing on a global scale. For more information, contact the Alabama State Port Authority at asdd.com. Hey, man, what are you doing today? Um, playing the game. Thought I'd go out for a drive later, maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it. Scroll through social media. Kill a family four and a half on collision. Cool, man. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest today is Greg Cochran with the Alabama League of Municipalities. Greg, welcome. Bill, Susan, thank you for having us on. We appreciate this opportunity to visit with you. Well, we are happy to have you in our home, and we are certainly proud to have you in our state, working with our municipalities all over that are kind of really on the front line of what's happening with COVID-19 and the economic downturn as a result. Um, back in April, I know we talked, and y'all had launched a, a revenue loss portal so that the municipalities around the state could input data in real time into this portal so that the municipalities and, and your organization could make wise decisions on funding. How has that data collection gone and what have you learned from gathering that information? You're, you're accurate. We did put a portal together at the recommendation of our COVID task force which is comprised of 10 municipal officials across the state. We worked in concert with the city of Tuscaloosa to put the portal in place. And it's been fascinating to see uh, where the losses are occurring around our state. And these uh, revenue shortfalls are happening in our coastal 
areas where you would suspect uh, when spring break was canceled, when early summer vacations were canceled, uh, when it was safer at home orders put in place around the nation, uh, families did not travel to our coastal areas. And so they saw tremendous shortfalls in revenues, losses of revenues in lodgings and sales tax, uh, people not eating at restaurants. And then in our college and university towns, we saw great losses there because when the universities closed their dorms and started doing their classes remotely, 20 to 25,000 students in Tuscaloosa and Auburn went back to their homes. And so you lost that buying power, you lost that, that energy in those cities. And so those have been, I would say, our largest revenue loss communities. And even though they've now had an uptick across the state with sales tax, people are moving around a little bit more on vacation, we still see in the business community uh, non-travel, orders in place. Uh, businesses are not letting their salespeople travel, their their representatives travel. So we're still seeing large losses in lodgings taxes. And so it's, uh, it's important that we continue to stay focused on how do we overcome these deficits in our communities. Well, it, 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 and that's a challenge that I know that every everyone is, is, is looking at and facing. Uh, one of the things that is also proven to be a challenge because of COVID-19 is our ability to uh, accurately collect census information. Uh, and, and one of the things that happened, we lost basically two months with the COVID-19 shutdowns, and now we've lost another month because they want the filing in early. Why is it so, so vitally important for municipalities that citizens participate in the 2020 census? Well, it's vital, as you know, for so many reasons. But when it comes to federal representation, we could lose a Congress a congressperson. We could lose a seat. We have seven today. If our, our census do not come back, then you, and they tally those up around the nation, there's 435 seats in Congress. Those are based on populations. And if we don't have a population representative of seven districts, then we lose one. Losing that representation in Congress is important as we represent the cities and towns and citizens who live in Alabama, ensuring that we have these federal funds and grants for the vitality of our communities. We're very reliant on government subsidies. Uh, as you know, so many things are important when it comes to community block grants, police force funding at the federal level. We need to ensure that everyone is represented. I know that Governor Ivey and the mayors are all encouraging folks to take the census. It's very easy to do, right, Susan? And you can take it online, and I'm sure Jonathan will put us up a link so everybody knows yeah. where they can go to get it done. Hey, you can do it at a safe distance. You don't have to show up anywhere. Yeah. Just go online. It's quick, easy. Or you just took a few it. minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just Next week, there's municipalities uh, that are having elections. Uh, could you give us an idea of what municipalities are holding elections next week? And do you expect turnover to be large or small? Or what kind of turnover do you think there'll be? That's a great question. We have 463 municipalities in the state of Alabama, of which 400 are holding elections next week on August 25th. And, and as you talked about with the census being a challenging time to collect that data, it's been a challenging time to run for office. 
Uh, we have spoken to a lot of our mayors and council members and different candidates. Uh, the challenges of getting out and meeting with citizens and discussing with them their platforms has been challenging. And then on the back side of that, as you build your election polling areas and election sites, it's it's a challenge to find poll workers and volunteers that are willing to go out and work in those. And so we've been working closely with the AG's office, the Secretary of State's office, ensuring that we put proper protocols in place for folks to vote and that they feel safe because that's that's the basis of our democracy is ensuring that people have a voice at the polls. Uh, we are uh, concerned with the storms that may be coming up the, the coast now. You've probably read this morning that yeah. we have two hurricanes in the Gulf and how that could impact those coastal areas and southern uh, communities. Uh, we're staying on top of that as well. Again, working with the governor's office, secretary of state's office, and those local officials in South Alabama to ensure that citizens are not put in harm's way as they go out to cast their votes. It is one of those is my... Uh, Dad used to say, adding insult to injury. Uh, we've got about 40 seconds left, but I, I wanted to know, do you have any updates on whether the Alabama legislature is going to come together uh, before next year? Or are they going to return early, or are you hearing anything about that? I think one of the things Governor Ivey is good about doing, and I think it's it's wise for the the taxpayers of Alabama is she always likes to have a good consensus before she brings the legislature in to deal with any issues. And I think we saw the success of that when she did the Rebuild Alabama Act. They came in, they were able to pass that monumental legislation in five days with a large con uh, consensus of votes. I think that if the legislators can pass along to her that they have a consensus with her administration on what should be addressed in a special session, she would be likely to call uh, on dealing with the economic uh, state. I think some people are still waiting to see what are the long-term replications of the COVID and the impact on our state before she's ready to address those solutions. Well, she has been very wise about that in the past. I'm sure she will now. Thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for all the hard work that you and your staff put in to help ensure that our municipalities have what they need to stay strong and stay safe. Thank you, Bill. It's an honor to be here representing our communities because they're the foundation of our state's economy. It's where people live, work, and play, and we want to ensure that we have economic vitality across our state. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Our special guest has been Greg Cochran, the Alabama League of Municipalities. We'll be right back with more news. Today, we are at war with an invisible enemy. Not that long ago, families across Alabama helped America turn the tide in World War II. Some joined the front lines in combat, while others led the fight on the home front. Those sacrifices helped our nation win the war and go on to define the greatest generation. Now, we must answer today's call. By comparison, our sacrifice is small, but each of us can do our part. Mask up, Alabama.
What are you doing today, babe? I thought I'd head down to the lake with the guys, do a little fishing. Of course, none of us will be wearing our seat belts. I'll lose control of the truck, wrap it around a tree, and kill us all. Okay. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Engage Alabama, a free virtual business conference sponsored by the Business Council of Alabama. To be held on August 26th and 27th, Engage Alabama will include interactive sessions on hot-button issues, including helping Alabama businesses grow jobs and how to market your business in a post-COVID world. This two-day event is free of charge and available to businesses of all sizes. Sign up today and get ready to Engage Alabama. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Josh, recently you reported that the FBI and the United States Department of Education are conducting a joint investigation into potential fraud within Alabama's virtual school systems. It's a fairly complicated case, but I think you can break it down for our viewers that there is some trouble, it appears, and some maybe legal trouble happening in our virtual schools. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the investigation uh, is, is centered around uh, basically pumping up the numbers of, of students there, uh, both using students that are that are currently enrolled in private schools uh, and also prisoners uh, from our state prison system. Uh, and, and I believe the, uh, the, the federal investigation, the federal investigators believe that uh, they have artificially inflated those numbers in some instances. And I believe some people have made some money personally off of this stuff that, uh, uh, that they're going to have some real issues with. But, you know, the, the bigger issue here is that we have a set of virtual schools in the state uh, that nobody is really monitoring. Um, you know, this thing, when, when this bill was passed, uh, you know, I talked to uh, Senator uh, Dick Brubaker, former Senator, uh, State Senator Dick Brubaker, right. uh, who was the sponsor of this bill and, and believes in, in virtual schools. Uh, this thing passed and it had the support of AEA and a, and a bunch of other uh, teacher organizations out there because it was going to pump money back into public schools. Uh, this was a way for public school systems to go out and entice uh, private school kids, homeschoolers, uh, to come back into the system uh, by saying, hey, we're going to offer this virtual option to you. If you'll enroll in this thing, uh, the school systems uh, get a full per pupil portion of the funding uh, that they would as, as if they were sending a regular body into there, into a classroom. So, but you don't, you don't send a regular body in there. So you can, can do it with a fraction of the, the expenses that a normal student would cost. And they get all of that. So, you know, cash strapped districts like Montgomery, for example, this could have been a windfall for them. But what has ended up happening is, is what's happening in Limestone County. Uh, they have just handed over the reins to these virtual schools to uh, private companies. Uh, and they're given the private company. They literally have a contract that gives Pearson Group, you know, it's a fine group, Pearson, uh, but they give them 97% of the profits. Uh, and they just serve as a pastor. I mean, the people here have no idea who the teachers are. They don't hire them. They don't know if they're certified. They have no idea who's enrolled. It's the, the craziest thing I've ever seen. But then the, the thing that, one of the things the FBI has been looking at in Limestone County is that they <clears throat> would report one number to Pearson, say this is how many 
students and teachers and blah, 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 blah. But the, to the state, they turn around and inflate those oh, numbers. Oh, quite a bit. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. So the state was paying a lot more money than they were actually giving to Pearson. They yeah. were. They were. Yeah, and which has resulted in them trying to now secretly pay back Pearson. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it, look. It's one of the weirdest things I've seen, and and you know, I think some people are are the, there. There are going to be some surprises when a lot of this comes out. I I'll say this, you know, some there's some there's some high priced attorneys from Montgomery involved in this thing, uh, and and those guys they don't work for cheap, and they don't work unless somebody's in some serious trouble. That's right. That's right. Well, it, it looks. It, it, it looks bad, it smells bad, and generally, if that's the case, it is bad. Yeah. Uh, straight up fraud this uh, past week, uh, federal plea, plea agreement with a former Montgomery County assistant principal. He, he, he basically stole $300,000 from the, the Montgomery County school Oopsie. system. What? Oopsie. Oopsie. And, and, and they found 700000 was missing, which included charges for strip clubs, liquor stores, and thousands paid out to fictitious businesses. Josh, why is our education system so rancid? Was that wrong? The strip club charges? Should I not have done that? Uh, no, no, you know, so. uh, I don't listen. You know, we, we, we've had this problem in a lot of different areas uh, in terms yeah. of education because in this state, uh, education is still the last, it's basically the last real pot of money uh, here. Yeah. And so you had a lot right. of desperate people sticking their fingers into that pot. Uh, yeah. And what happened in, in Montgomery was an assistant principal at, at Jeff Davis created a fictitious consulting company, uh, it convinced the principal and the, and the uh, financial officer at the school to go along with this deal, uh, made up bills saying he was given, you know, teacher, training courses uh they paid him uh, forty thousand dollars out of the school uh three hundred thousand dollars from the central office and you know and then they went and later and split the money all in cash in a parking lot somewhere um, <laughs> i mean you know hey, there's a parking lot of a strip club who knows it's, yeah. it's good work if you don't have to do it uh, <laughs> you know, and, and listen, not, we laugh at it, it but it is it you know really they, they took it's money awful. away from kids you know, and, yeah you know, that's true in a, in a school system that is desperate for money yeah. and, and struggles a lot uh, yeah. to, to get people to believe in it, you know, this was a yeah. black eye that they didn't need. And, and I'll say this for them. It was the school system that uncovered this uh, to begin yeah. with yeah, and reported it, it originally. So that, you know, they, they did their own investigation, found this thing and, and, and got rid of some folks that were that were robbing them blind. Yeah. Well, it is a tragedy. It, we, we, we have to laugh because it is so tragic and not uncommon. We, we've got about 50 seconds left and I wanted to end on some good news. Uh, like John Merrill, Alabama Power takes a beating from some folks in our state, but they have done something that TVA in North Alabama has not done. When the pandemic hit, mm -hmm. they stopped shutting people's powers off, yep. power off. They did not charge late fees. Or interest. Or interest. They are continuing that through September 28th. It'll be six months that people were allowed to go without paying their uh, a bill or being And I believe they're going to set up a payment plan to make it easy for people to pay back 
what they are in arrears. Right. So it won't be a demand of everything right now, or we'll cut your power off. Yeah, yeah. And I've actually talked to a couple of people that, that have mm -hmm. that have gone through that that payment plan uh, that were looking for for things. They actually contacted me after I, I wrote that, and uh, you know they they said that it is a, it's a thing that they they based it on their income. They asked them what they could pay. Uh, and yeah. they said, you know, what are, what are you comfortable with? And they said the people, I couldn't speak for everybody. They said the people that they worked with were very accommodating and told them, you know, listen, what can you pay? And that's what they went with. And now you can go directly to Alabama Power. There's a portal there that you can set all this up. Well, that's going to do it for this week. You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them.